0: You are, you are alive out there, aren't you? Man, this is the reason we're here, because he got up. He took it for us, he died for us, but then he got up. And because he got up, now we have the strength that we could get up again when we fall and we fail, that we could have the presence of the living God in us so that I could bounce back. All right, here's the Easter scripture this morning. You ready? That's all right. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Not bad. All right. John chapter 12 and verse 23. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if, say, but if. but if. But if it dies, it produces much grain and much harvest. Something's got to fall in order for it to produce. Uh, the, the topic I want to preach to you this morning is hope rising from hardship. Hope rising from hardship. Uh, anyone ever coached Little League baseball before? A few sorry souls. God bless you. <laughs> um, so I, I've, I've probably had hundreds of coaches in my life. My father coached me in T-Ball. And uh, just recently signed Judah up for uh, T-Ball, Wall, Township, Little League, the T-Ball. Uh, cost me $300 to sign my son, son up. For, had to take a home equity loan to sign my son up for, for T-Ball and Wall Township. And, and I, I, they asked me if I wanted to coach you know, they, they knew that I, I, I grew up and they knew I played Division One baseball and they thought I had a lot to offer the kids. I, was, I, I told them to take a long walk off a short pier. There is no chance in the world I will ever coach Little League baseball. Kids picking flowers and their noses all at the same time. Not, not for me. I, I resolved that I will not coach until the people are at least over five feet tall. Once they get over five feet tall, then I'll think about it. But when they're under five feet tall, I'll be the the parent screaming from the sidelines obnoxiously. Uh, That'll be my role and responsibility. Uh, Growing up, had so many different coaches. Had had some great coaches growing up. Had some weird coaches. Had some crazy coaches. Uh, Had coaches that taught me a lot. Had coaches that I had a lot of fun with. And uh, as I was putting this sermon together, I was trying to think of a coach that, Uh, really grew me the most, and uh, really grew me the most as a person, as a baseball player, and uh, it was this coach that I had when I was uh, uh, 14, 15 years old uh, by the name of Coach Artie Gordon from Manasquam. Anyone ever heard of Coach Artie Gordon? Uh, Awesome, awesome coach. Um, You know, and and we, you know, the love languages. And you ever like read the book, The Five Love Languages? Like everybody has a love language. It's a great book for you know married couples. Like uh, you know, some people have the love language of gifts. Some people have the love language of physical touch. Some people have the love language of words of affirmation. Artie Gordon's love language was yelling. (laughs) He 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 was he was half crazy. And, and, and he would yell at you for not sitting up straight on the bench. I'm like, I'm on the bench. I'm not even playing. And, and, but you have to look like you're playing when you're even on the bench. You know, like, like there was this, this guy, was, was a, um, he, he was a yeller. Anyone ever have a coach that was a yeller before? Anybody? Or a few people. And, and a lot of people couldn't take it. A lot of kids, like, literally would just walk off the field. Me personally, I loved it. I, I relished it. I remember this one time uh, I I was playing shortstop and a ball went between my legs playing shortstop. Embarrassing, but it's happened to the best of them. Happened to Derek Jeter, happened to A-Rod, happened to me many times. I remember Artie Gordon, after that happened, made me stay after practice, take like 200 ground balls. He would be ripping them at me, I'm like a 13 year old kid, off my chest. He's like, if the ball gets past you, you're gonna be taking laps. And, And I stayed there for hours, but you know what? I learned more from Artie Gordon than I did anyone else in my baseball career. Did I have the most fun with Artie Gordon? No. was, Was he the coach I enjoyed being around the most? No way. But was he the most fruitful coach in my life? 100%. The reason I was able to go to UMBC on a full baseball scholarship was because of the tools and the growth that I had under this coach, Artie Gordon, of Manasquan High School. Because some things can only come from hardship. There are some things that can only be produced in your life through hardship. And and that's why we're here, isn't it? I mean, they they took Jesus— And they put him through the greatest hardship anyone could ever go through. And that is the reason why we have this hope in our souls. There's a scripture in the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus ever came. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. He had all the great prophecies in Isaiah 53. The one that I want to share with you guys is from Isaiah chapter 11, where where it says, a shoot will come forth from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was the descendant of Jesus, David's father. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit because Jesus was cut down cut down to a stump, dead as can be. But they didn't understand what was going on underneath the surface. Because you could cut them down, but there is a hope that will rise and shoot up out of that dead stump. I love the way John puts it in John chapter 15, verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he will take away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. We are here April 1st, 2018. And a lot of you have been lied to. A lot of people told you that, that you're, you're hopeless, you're worthless, you're worthless. That Jesus is, is just a man, just like everybody else, that God's dead. But you know what I love? April Fools, baby. April Fools. The greatest April Fools of all time was when Jesus was dead in the tomb. And I think he got up. I think maybe it was not April 1st. And he got up and said, April Fools, baby. You thought I was dead. But I'm back. I'm alive. And because of him, I can have my hope back. Say, I have, I have a hope. Like you mean it, I have, hope. I have a hope. That's right. And his name is Jesus. I preached last year a sermon that I titled, My Hope is Not in My Boat. I want to change that a little bit for this morning. My hope don't float. And your hope, I don't know if that's good grammar, but it rhymes, so I'm going to go with it. And your hope don't float either. A lot of people have this surface hope. Their hope is in what they can see. Their hope is in what they, they want other people to see in them. And, and that hope won't work. I didn't come here this morning to talk about a superficial hope, the results-based hope that, that you think you could produce on your own. I, like, like I, I hope the Mets win the World Series this year. They're 2-0. and And all good Christians should also. The Yankees are the devil's team. <laughs> People are going to be walking out. i got to shut my mouth. Did I say that out loud? Good Lord. And it was recorded. <laughs> Edit that out. All right. I hope, I, I mean, I hope it would be nice if in my lifetime I could see the Jets just go to a Super Bowl. It would be nice. I mean, can I get a witness? It would be nice. It was once. But you know what? My hope is not in the Jets. <laughs> My hope and in the Mets. And all you Yankee fans that put your hope in the Yankees, that's not a good place to put your hope either. I know I'm gonna get some booze, but I don't care. Because that hope won't work. My hope has to be in something that's rooted, something eternal, something that will never leave me nor forsake me. And that can only come through Jesus. And some of the greatest lessons you will ever learn will be from a hardship. Going through a hard place. There's some lessons that you can only learn in that. I learned one of my greatest lessons up here preaching when I was 25 years old. And I got up here and some people gave me advice, just, just go in there and pray and read a few scriptures and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. And I said, all right. So I had a couple scriptures and I got up there and I read the scriptures. And man, nothing came to my mind whatsoever. <laughs> And I got up there and my face was bright red, I'm sweating, I'm freaking out, I got nothing to say. And then I promised myself after that brutal lesson that was embarrassing, that was horrible, I promised myself this that I will never, ever come up here with a microphone and a Bible in my hand without preparing hours and hours and hours in advance to have a sermon for you guys. It may not be the greatest sermon in the world, but I will be the most prepared in the world to deliver that message. But I had to learn that through embarrassment and through hardship. We just cleaned Lily's room the other day. Holy cow. Holy cow. 15, you know, contractor bags later of toys, I, I mean, it, it turned out great. But I had to learn a lesson the hard way with Lily. Now, you go into a room. You don't touch a thing. You don't mess with any stuffed animals. You don't touch any dolls. You don't touch any, my little, you, you don't touch a thing or she will beat you down. And she is one tough thing tough preachers kid let me tell you do not mess but I had to learn that 15 stitches later the hard way I'm kidding I'm kidding but she did want to give me 15 stitches we'll put it that way when I moved her dolls but there are some things you have to learn the hard way there are some seasons in your life that are fun and a lot of people just want to have fun just want to enjoy, I want to feel good, I want to have fun. But you know what is the most fun? Being fruitful. I want to be fruitful. I don't want to just have fun. I want to be fruitful. I want to produce something with my life. And you know what? The other coaches that were fun that gave me the orange slices at halftime and gave me the Gatorades before the game and went out and bought you ice cream after the game. They were fun, but they weren't fruitful. Artie Gordon was fruitful. Artie Gordon was a tough coach to play for. Artie Gordon would let you know when you made a mistake so that you wouldn't make it again. But I had the most fun when I got to college and I don't have any student debt because of the fruit that already produced in my life some things that could only come through hardship and Jesus wanted to produce a harvest of souls that we are still reaping of today 2,000 years later And a lot of people didn't understand what Jesus was gonna have to go through. Because a lot of people said, if you're the savior, just snap your fingers and make it happen. But great things aren't produced easily, you have to go through a hardship. I love what Tom Hanks said in the movie, A League of Their Own, anyone ever seen that movie before? He, this great, one of my favorite lines. He said, if it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. The hard is what makes it great. It's what makes it great. And Jesus turned to his disciples right after he had just had this moment with Peter where he told Peter, you're going to be my rock, you're you're my boy, and and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there's an incredible moment. And then Jesus starts telling them, I'm going to have to go to the cross and suffer many things. I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be embarrassed, but there's going to be a shoot that's going to fire out of that stump. And I'm going to rise again on the third day. And then Peter looked at him and said, it's not so, Jesus. Jesus, it shouldn't have to be hard. you You shouldn't have to go through any hardships, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, yes, Satan, get behind me. Because all you think about are the things of man. You need to get your eyes from a kingdom perspective. Because when you get a kingdom perspective, you could see your hardship a completely different way. You could see the root system that God is building through your hardship. You could see the shoot that's beginning to grow from the stump that you think that has been pruned in your life, but actually it was pruned so that God could bear more fruit in your life, because some things can only come through hardships in your life. I mean, this is the case throughout the Bible, starting from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to go through that whole Bible today. April fools. We're not. We're not, not going to do that. I, I'll have one person here, the one person that amen. I love you. She loves me. All right. But, but I mean, you look, the, the whole Bible, I mean, from, from, from Moses. Remember Moses? Mo? If I, my name was Moses, I'd say, call me Mo. Okay, so we're going to call him Mo. Mo was asked by God. <laughs> Someone just got it up in the back. Moses was asked by God to go to Pharaoh, go to Pharaoh, and I want you to go to him, the most powerful man in the world, Mo, and tell him, let my people go. And then this is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna harden Pharaoh's heart, so he says no to your request. What? Wait, so you want me to go there so that he'll say no and you're, you're going to make him say no? I mean, shouldn't it be easy? Shouldn't I just go there? I'm doing your will. I mean, doing God's will should be easy. I mean, I should just have finger snapping miracles all day long. I mean, every prayer answer because, because I'm doing God's will. But God's will was for him to go to Pharaoh and for Pharaoh's heart to get hardened and him to say no. But this is what God said. So my miracles can be even more multiplied and my glory can be revealed through this hardship, Moses because the greatest things come through hardship. Why didn't the walls fall down on lap numero uno? I mean, I, I mean, it would have been great first time around. Nailed it. They went down. You know why? Because God doesn't want us to think that it has anything to do with us and our shout and just us doing what God tells us to do but sometimes it's through the, the, the obedience time and time and time again until finally we surrender our will and realize I can't do this on my own. I can't live this on my own. I need Jesus and in that moment, that's when the walls come down in your life and then when they do you'll realize it's not by might nor by power but by his spirit says the living God but it's going to happen through heart. sometimes he takes us the hard way so that we'll appreciate it when we get it I thought about so many different things so many different ways I could talk about this and break this down you know, how, how, what's the difference? Can I have that chair, Sandy? I'm sorry. I should have taken Rick's chair. That would have been more. Rick, let me have your chair. You get that chair for me, Sandy. You just sit there with Pretty, okay? Um, you put it put it up here, Rick. All right. Let's see those muscles there. Please. I'm sorry. My mom's correcting me. This in my pocket is a uh, it's a bouncy ball. Anybody ever? Play with one of these as a kid anyone still play with them just walking around just you know bouncing ball and they they named it the right thing they named it a bouncy ball it's a great name for the for, for the ball because what it, it it bounces i mean because of the way it was built because of the way it was made because of the composite structure inside of it it it, it bounces i mean it's that's what it was made to do it's, it was made to to bounce right but it's you know what's funny is when you bounce it It bounces right back. It don't bounce too good off of the chair, does it? I mean, it it bounces great off of the floor, but off the chair, it don't bounce too good. Even though it's the same ball, it, it doesn't work unless it's hitting the right surface. And the reason it bounces off of is because it is, because it is, because certain things in your life can only come through hardship. And the purpose of your life can only be birthed through hardship. And if you want a soft, easy, friendly life, you'll never do the will of the Father. God wants you To be able to go through hardships, but go through it with a joy and a peace, knowing that his word says that though you may walk through a valley, I will carry you on to the other side. And you have a root system that can sustain storms that will rage in your life. And then when it's over, I will get the glory, not you, because it is me in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And a lot of times you never find out what's in you until you hit a hard spot. But you know how to bounce back from rock bottom, don't you? Because it's in you. Christ is in you. He's more than enough. It has to be hard, and then I thought of another one. It has to also be hidden. Jesus was hidden in a tomb. They buried him, he was hidden. So many people, their hope is on what's on the surface. Uh, it, it's on what, what, what i could see what people could see on me in me but real hope has to be hidden you give away your hope so easily because you put your hope in the wrong things you know when you something special to you you have to hide it and the bible says that i have hidden god's word within me within my spirit within my soul when something's important you hide it you know i'm picking on lily a little bit today I have two kids. This is your first time here. Two kids, six and four. Only reason why I keep them around is for sermon material. <laughs> she loves me unconditionally. And, and Lily, we, we we were looking all all over the whole week for the iPad because it's her and Jude are always fighting over the iPad. All day long, fighting over the iPad, screaming over the iPad, you know, throwing things over the iPad. Everything's about the iPad, the iPad, the iPad. You know, uh, if there was a pastor's house, it should be the Bible, but unfortunately it's not just being real, you know, it's the iPad. And, and then when we were cleaning Lily's room, guess what we found under her bed? The iPad. Good Lord. And the remote control took that too. Remote control and the iPad under her bed. And because she, she said, this is important to me, so, so I, I got I to gotta hide it. When something is, is important, you have to hide it. The Bible says that our hope is like an anchor, an anchor for our souls. God, our souls need an anchor. God, my soul needs an anchor. But when you have an anchor, it does its best work where you never see it. It goes under the ocean, and it holds you, and you never see what the anchor is doing because real hope is hidden in your soul. Real hope goes down in you like like a root system. So you could be cut on the surface. You could be cut down on the surface. You could do what you did to Jesus, to, to, to him, but yet the root system, the hope that is hidden within you is what will keep you standing, what will keep you going through every moment of your life. Abraham said, I know how to hope, even when I don't have anything to hope for. <laughs> it says in, in Romans chapter 4, go go to that. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Yep. Kept hoping. No reason to hope. Can you have hope when there's no reason to hope? Can you still have a hope in a good God even when you're going through things that aren't good? that's real hope. It's easy to hope for something that you already have. I, I mean, that, that you, don't need, you don't need hope for that. Jesus said, I'm, I'm here to give you a hope that will go through the storm with you, that is in you, and you can't see it. Other people can't see it, but they can see it through the stability that you have in the storm. I don't need to know how because I know who. I don't need to know when because I know who. I have a who. I have a Savior. I have a hope that will last through every storm, every season in my life. And I look at it so many people, the reason why there's so much depression and anxiety and, and lost souls and people just thirsty people trying to quench their thirsty souls in all the wrong places thinking that, that, that this person's going to quench their desires or that place is going to quench their desires. And maybe if I go to, to, to this, you know, psychic that they'll tell me what I want to hear or if this person loves me this right way, then, then you know, I'll, I'll feel better about just, just grabbing for hope, grabbing anything. I'll take anything. And you end up with nothing. End up with nothing. You end up broken and empty. And now you're so frustrated because you've wasted so much time and money and energy and love trying to find something that can only be found in a savior. Gatorade. I I I bought one today. I'm going to drink in the car in between services. Gatorade says that they're the thirst quencher. right? Gatorade. The gatorade the all right one more time gatorade the yeah they lied they lied we should sue gatorade because they lied they lied they they, no 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 right jim They're, they're not the thirst quencher jesus is the thirst quencher for your thirsty soul there is only one place to go there is only one well that has what you need and that is the well of jesus everlasting well that will never run dry again you have to get connected to the branch in order to produce the fruit that you so desperately desire let's stand to our feet right now did you guys enjoy that that short little easter message was that okay for you Let's just bow our heads right now. Everyone in here, in the back, in the balcony, be reverent for this moment. This is the most important moment of the entire service. The most important moment isn't the music, it isn't the preaching. The most important moment is how do you respond to God when He speaks into your heart, when He speaks into your soul. God, I thank you for this moment that you have given us, Word God. I thank you that we have an anchor for our souls, that we have a, a well that will never go dry, Word God. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for, for those people that, that made a decision to put you first this Easter Sunday, Word God. And I, I know that this sermon resonated with a lot of people who are, are far from God in this moment, that they, they became disconnected from God, disconnected from a relationship with God. Maybe it's because of What somebody did to them, they were hurt, they they took offense to something and they pushed them away from God. They tried to find love in all the wrong places, and now they're disconnected from you, they're disconnected from a relationship with the only life giver. Your word says that that in a moment everything could change. That in one moment, just like the Apostle Paul, when he saw Jesus riding on a donkey and he got off the donkey. He was knocked off. Sometimes God has to knock us off of what we want and the places that we wanna go in order for us to get a glimpse of his will for our life, Lord God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wanna lead this whole church. We're gonna say it as a family. But if you know that you're far from God and you are a sinner in need of a savior, how beautiful is it on this easter sunday that you could hit the reset button and have a relationship with a perfect loving savior let's just say this together as a church family dear jesus i thank you for your presence i thank you for this hope that is like an anchor for my soul i believe that you're my savior that you died on the cross for me And that because of you, my sins are forgiven. That you got up on the third day. And when you got up, my soul can get up. And I can have new life and eternal life and abundant life now. I put my faith in you. I'm coming in relationship with you. And I will never be the same. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you said that prayer and you meant it and you want to be connected to this life-giving Savior, if you want this hope that will anchor you through every storm, if you're far from God, the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. Believe in that. Over over 30 people, 40 people are going to get saved in this moment. Come back to Jesus. This is your moment. One, two, three. Three, shoot your hand up, praise God. Hands up everywhere, Father. You see these hands, Lord God. Father, they are back on the road with you. They have a new hope in their soul. Praise you, Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap right now. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just, let's sing this song together as a church. All together right now. Hallelujah.